Hello, hello, and hello, everybody! Welcome back for another episode. If not now, when? Today, I have such an honor to invite our guest Chris Franda to the show today with us. Chris, he's coming from a corporate background with years of experience in software development. Today, he's a chief logic officer at Logitree. Wow, what a cool name! They are helping organization overcome both knowledge knowledge transfer and software development challenges and streamline their business for success. We're gonna learn so much more in our episode. With that, everybody, I am so so excited. Thank you so much, Chris, for joining us, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Chris. So tell us how is the journey begin for you. Uh, so for me, this journey has been a long one, but I would have to say it begins with growing up with a mother that's in education,、oh. and、uh, so seeing, you know, having education just be a part of my upbringing. Seeing how she taught、uh, kindergarten, then then led、uh, taught in second grade. And eventually became the director of inclusion for K through four, and、uh, is just very passionate about you know including everyone, you know helping helping provide、uh, access to the educational experience for anyone.、Mm-hmm. That's a that's an something very important to her, and it's also been just something very important to me throughout my life. Wow, how does that impact you? What does that mean by by saying that's important for you? Uh, it I for me it's yeah it's funny I never thought about it that it. Wouldn't that helping other people, you know, learn wouldn't、mm-hmm. be something that、uh, I think it's just come naturally for me. I think it is because of, you know, again having a mother that、um, that、uh, you know that was a teacher.、Mm-hmm. But for me, it just came naturally that I loved teaching. I've always loved helping other people learn complex、mm-hmm. topics, and、uh, I was a tutor in、uh, in in high school and in college. Helped、uh, tutor math and physics. Um, it's just I don't know. I've always had this just passion that anytime I can help someone learn something,、mm-hmm. I just love seeing that in、wow. someone. That's incredible. And then what next after college? Yeah. So,、uh, well, so after college, I then took a job with National Instruments,、mm-hmm. which is a you know a great tech company here in Austin,、um, and actually really loved the the founder and CEO, Dr. T of of National Instruments. He You know, working there, I got to experience a CEO that really cared about the culture and the work environment.、Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he—it、uh, was funny. We went to to work, and he he drove this thirty-year-old、uh, pickup truck that was breaking down when he didn't have to because he would rather have this amazing company and hire as many people as he could, and you know, focus on getting. Um, people that are graduating college, getting them on into a program that leads to their success,、mm-hmm. and he he really has created this incredible work environment.、Mm-hmm. And people that join there, it's you know they a lot of them become friends for life. All the people that join,、um, it's one of the most connected networks of just people that work at an organization that stay、wow. in touch and. Yeah, it's it's inc- it's an incredible, and I think it's really just driven by that CEO that cares about, you know, that cares about the success of others that join the organization.、Mm-hmm. Isn't that the best? You feel like people really cares, and this is not just a job, a company. This is a big family. We are driving a value forward for our entire community. Yes, yeah, shared values, the why,、mm-hmm. um, having 
everyone in an organization that that cares about what the organization stands for is, mm-hmm. is very important. Yeah. So how long have you been uh, in the organization? Uh, so I was in, I worked at National Instruments for four and a half years. And so at the at the end of working for them, I was a, a product manager. Mm-hmm. So I managed one of their product lines, uh, oversaw all the sales, marketing, uh, uh, manufacturing, basically overseeing all of these different coordinations across the organization. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, uh, yeah, that was what I did the, at the end of it. Why leave? Uh, so I, I left because for me, being entrepreneurial was something I always wanted. So I always had this, um, I've always had more of a uh, self-taught, um, that's another part of my kind of background is is I've always enjoyed being able to just kind of learn things on my own mm. and self-teach. And I've also, um, you know, the being able to be free and uh, creative and un you know uninhibited in any way to do whatever you want and to go and um you know and to to accomplish as much as you want that was important to me and that's i think a trait for entrepreneurial is it's mm-hmm. not easy but if you are the type of person that has the the drive and you really just want to have this uninhibited sky is the limit mm-hmm. then i think that's that's what was compelling to me do you always know that about yourself chris the the sky is the limit. Yeah, um, that entre- entrepreneurial spirit, that risk taker, that wanted to just have it all. Yeah, well, it's it's funny. I was just having a conversation this morning about risk, and um, there I can't remember exactly, but there was this this um, this image I saw the other day that um, it was or sorry, it was a video that a founder was talking about a uh, and showed an image while talking of a person walking a tightrope. And they had, you know, one of those uh, just the the big long poles to the sides, and they're crossing this this um, this uh, just gap between two two parts of the um, the plateau, and saying that you know to most people this would look like a lot of risk that um, you know like too much risk, but but for um, I think when you when you know that something is just so um, that you're so passionate about it mm-hmm. and you're going to dedicate the time to becoming to whatever it is you're just going to put in the time and effort and you're going to overcome the challenges mm-hmm. then the risk kind of goes away so it's like that tightrope yeah. that walker that has spent so much time investing i am going to be the best at mm-hmm. walking this tightrope mm-hmm. and then now they can do things that anyone else would say is crazy and mm-hmm. you know that it's too much risk so I love that. One of the saying I heard and I really resonate is you don't win unless you play. Yes. And maybe people who are watching on the sidelines say, well, play that game is insane. It's crazy. It's risky. It's whatever we are describing that to be. Yep. But you don't win unless you play. That's exactly. So back to you, Chris. Do you, you always know you want to be an entrepreneur? Um, I, yeah, I think so. I mean, I do think that that was um, something that my... I think my grandfather was it was a big uh, influence there. Um, he he was also uh, he's he's who put me through um, high school and uh, has just also been someone that's that's been um, I think very influential in my life as far as um, you know hard work, 
so he came from he came from nothing uh you know he's he's a one of those stories of just coming from very a lot of poverty and then mm. ends up um you know ended up creating his own wealth and being being independently successful and so for him you know being having that same drive mm-hmm. you know whether that's entrepreneurial it's just i think for you know for him it's just impressing that having drive having mm-hmm. purpose having uh you know that that dedication to something being good at what you do and then i think that for me i just had always a little bit of that more creative independent spirit yeah. so when you mix the two of those together i think you get that that you know drive but also wanting to be a little bit entre- entrepreneurial creative yeah. and that's what mixed i think for me you know i would never thought you describe yourself as creative what do you mean by that quest Uh well I think creative is that you it, you know you desire to to do something new some mm. you know prove out something that that um that the world needs mm-hmm. that doesn't exist today in the form that it exists or mm-hmm. just you want to bring something new some new experience to it mm-hmm. and that's not all of entrepreneurship I mean entrepreneurship can be in many forms mm-hmm. But I think for myself, it's you know creating something completely new and unique was is something that's actually important to me. Mm-hmm. I love that. So you always have this fire in your chest. You know you want to create something new. Then you go after your left uh, national instrument yep. and tell us how's that experience be? Is the expectation of entrepreneurship really aligned with the actual experience? Yeah. So it. The very first one I left when I left National Instruments, I started a company that was a partner to National Instruments, and so the the thing that helped with that with that jump was was also having you know the the relationships with mm-hmm. National Instruments, and now I was a software developer for companies buying their products, and so it helped to you know have a lot of those relationships and background mm-hmm. to make that jump a bit easier. So I would say that that first entrepreneurial jump, you know, if if you have a something you're pursuing where you have another company that's also helping you, mm-hmm. you know, from theirs because they have thou they have over a thousand partner companies that they work with. Oh, yeah. So they have you know a thousand partner companies that they have all this materials for training and getting mm-hmm. getting you successful, and um. And there's a lot of other companies that have that have done this successfully. You know, Salesforce, Tableau, they have giant partner ecosystems mm-hmm. of companies that can be entrepreneurial, but they can be entrepreneurial by helping the bigger company mm-hmm. of Tableau or Salesforce. Wow! And that helps to you know helps make it easier from finding you know finding business and just yeah growing your your business. Brilliant. So essentially, you are almost stepping a、uh, a stepping stone. You're not completely raised at all, but you do, you know, able to have that creative endeavor to collaborate, to create a partnership, to create that new venture in that way. Yes. And how does that? Was it? How does that journey in, unfold? Was it success endeavor? How do you shift from that to a professional CTO afterwards? Yeah, no, it was great.、Um, worked, yes,、yeah, so、it, it was about five and a half years, and worked on a variety of of projects. Everything from、um, I built medical device control systems that 
are that um, are being used by uh, a large pharmaceutical company mm -hmm. that's doing. So the very first project was um, doing type one diabetes uh, research, islet transplantations, and wow. looking at. Um, so yeah, building. So we built these these four different machines: um, Recordy isolator, perfusion, perifusion, and each of these machines were used to do um, to test different drug compounds and how the islet cells respond to them to look at at ways to um, to you know pursue that cure and then that's it, a huge jump from national instrument well yeah that well yeah so that's uh yeah when i left ni to then start you know vi design group and and this was my very first client this is you know it actually for me that was and there's a very long backstory that I'll, I'll uh, maybe say for another day, but it's, um, you know, that's what was exciting to me is I went straight from product manager to building the control system. And, mm. you know, I wasn't sure that I could do it, but I knew that, that, you know, trying was mm. worth it. I had to do it. So it wasn't even a question of, you know, it was just I had to do it. So I'm so touched and inspired by that, Chris. I think oftentimes we are so fixing it about how, yeah. but, I think, but I think when we figure out what first, the how will follow. Yeah. And you are someone to speak with such a conviction. You know exactly you will figure it out, and you indeed yep. figure it out. That's so admirable. That is truly, I think, the definition of entrepreneur spirit. Thanks. Yeah, it, it took a lot. Of, it took a lot of work. I'll, I'll say that you know I worked for that first two and a half months. Um, some days it was seven a.m. I feel like I worked from seven a.m. to one a.m. just straight, you know, and and uh, just so much to to do. But yeah. but honestly, it was the best feeling was actually working. You know, feeling like for the first time I had this. You know, I could put in as much energy as I as I could, mm -hmm. and then and then. You know, apply it to something that, at the end of it, could be such a, you know, transformative um, mm -hmm. product. You know, in the world, and um, you know, helping in the research, helping in other drug research that was then used subsequently. So mm -hmm. it was, it was just for me, it's worth it. You know, being, Aww. yeah. I love that. I think at the end of the day, we all just want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. Yep. And when we can channel our energy, our effort into a cause, a, a project, a passion that align with that mission, that purpose, yep. I think we all ultimately a happier person. Yep. That's amazing. So with that, you know, you said you were in that role for four or five years. Um, Chris, were you ever afraid? Or were you ever feel frustrated? Say, you know what? I don't know if this is the right choice. Uh, well, I think, uh, you know, the, the beginning, I was certainly fear, fearful, uh, right when I first, you know, started, I think that was, mm. so it, uh, but it was good. I mean, kind of a good fear that pushed me to work harder and, and make sure that I, um, you know, shipped the very first, uh, machine that we built. They, uh, right when I joined, they said, you have three months, this machine has to ship to the pharmaceutical company. And so, working within that timeline to learn and That's build. Crazy. And yeah, it was a crazy, crazy timeline. Um, to and learn is one thing, to build is another. You only have three months in a yeah. completely new field. Oh my God. And I had, yeah, I had to learn and build all at the same time. It was just this on the, you know, and I had a lot of, <laughs> and I had a lot of training already, but this was um, the very first just 
mm-hmm. you know, full on big mm-hmm. project. And um, so I think, you know, once I, I, I once I got past that first project and we were able to successfully deliver it mm-hmm. um, and the client was happy and and uh, I ended up having them as a client for three and a half more years. Wow. So I think after that first project, that's when a lot of the fear, you know, went away and yeah. and then it was just get into the groove, right? You know, yeah. and enjoy it. Um, start focusing on scaling the business, start uh, looking at new projects mm-hmm. and where to keep going from there. And why you left? I left because, you know, for me, I I really love the, um, yeah, there's a few, there's a few things here. I really love continuous learning and education and I like to to keep expanding mm-hmm. what I'm learning all the time. Mm-hmm. And so when I left, I left to pursue um, uh, mobile development, uh, web development, blockchain stuff, and I can talk about that, but basically very different projects than what I was doing. Mm. So the, the former was this control system design. And now I went into, you know, mobile web blockchain, completely different field, even though still software. And I love that just getting this new, completely new learning environment. Um, And then the second is maybe a little bit more impactful is that, you know, as a consultant, I really did love working with clients. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I was developing the, um, product that they then owned. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there was something that I wanted after that is I wanted to build something that was kind of my product Mm -hmm. instead of delivering the service, something that when people would, would think of what I've maybe built or contributed, they would think of the, maybe the product and not the, the services that I've been offering, Mm -hmm. which again, I did love it. It was great clients, um, really enjoyed it, but still had that missing piece Mm -hmm. of there has to be something really big that I'm passionate about and care about that I want to say, this is what I am about and stand for. I love that you are so self-aware, knowing that what is important for you, knowing that there's some part is missing in that endeavor. And was it hard to to leave? Even with that intention, but you run a very successful business, right? It's a very amazing clientele. Was it harder left? It it was, and and at the end of it, I also was working on a on a very big project um, for a Fortune ten company, and working with a lot of great people, mm-hmm. and I loved that project. Um, but you know, it it it, I'd say it wasn't it wasn't difficult. Because of those other two reasons, I would say the just that that desire mm-hmm. that I had to create something as a product, and the um, also compelling desire to get into something new and continuously learning and improving. Yeah. It, it that's what made it for me. It wasn't a difficult difficult decision. I love that you just focus on what you want. You don't look back. Yep. So what's next for you, Chris? Yeah. So from there, I. Got into a lot of just mobile development. Um, you know, once you go from services to a product company, there are certainly challenges that you know any entrepreneur in a product space they learn that um, services versus products is very different. Mm. You know, it's just a very different uh, mindset of um, you know instead of just 
delivering something that a client is asking for, you know, in time and materials. Now you're focused on really designing a product that maybe has something unique in the market. Mm. And also the pricing of it will no longer be a, this is my time and this is the cost for that time. It's Mm -hmm. now going to be, what do we set this price point at for Mm -hmm. this product? And, you know, it's just a very different um, experience. It's a value base. Now it's about how do you find a product market fit rather than how much time you spend, therefore. Yes. It's now value-based pricing yeah. and, and uh, you know, or in the product market fit, mm-hmm. um, you know, differentiation in the market. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a lot of things that you then have to look for. So was it difficult transition? It, it was difficult in the sense that, uh, yeah, it's just a very different mind, sh- mind shift. So yeah, a lot of, a lot to learn. Um, interestingly, it was a bit of a, moving back to when I was a product manager. So mm-hmm. I had a bit of that training from National Instruments, but um, but yeah, still trying to get back out of the services mm-hmm. mindset where now it's, you know, have to look at things as a product um, and product market fit. Did you second guess yourself in that transition proce- process? No, no, I still, I, I loved it. It was, it was a great, um, you know, just, just making that jump. And, mm-hmm. um, I, uh, I ended up, I worked on the very first thing, which, uh, I worked on, which didn't, wasn't successful, but, um, it was a, a big learning curve was a video. It was a video sharing app. Mm-hmm. And, um, I worked on two uh, on, on a, I did a micro pivot from one idea of the video sharing to another idea still around the video sharing. Um, both of which uh, Snapchat did the first part a year and a half later from from when I was doing it. And then Instagram did the other one three years later. And And so in both ideas, I was ahead of Instagram and Snapchat by a month and a a year and a half and three years. Wow. But their product, their technology is not yours. But their technology is not mine. No. So, yeah. So that's... Why do you walk away from that technology a year and a half ago? Uh, well, yeah, so that was, well, what? At that time, yeah. Yeah, at the time. Yeah, so the very, you know, I'll talk so a little bit briefly. The very first one was about uh, geolocation video on a map so that you could see in real time what was happening in any geographic location. And so you can imagine if users are posting videos when they're at an event, Mm -hmm. and then people can now look on a map and see the videos in that area to see what's happening. Mm -hmm. And um, so that, I don't know if you know, but Snapchat released Snap Map um, then in 2017. Mm. That, uh, you know, same, same exact thing. It's that they have a map now where on Snapchat, you can see all the snaps in the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just say briefly that a, a learning experience I had from that had to do with um, USP, unique selling proposition, mm-hmm. that, that the putting videos on a map I don't know that was enough of a USP, mm-hmm. but sending uh, ephemeral messages between friends mm-hmm. was for Snapchat. And so the feature of the map was a great addition to Snapchat. Mm-hmm. I don't know that as an app by itself, it was mm-hmm. as much of a, you know, the USP was there. Was it a painful lesson? Uh, it Well, it you know, the thing about that too is I actually 
very much underestimated how much time and complexity went into the building of the of the app and the technology. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that it was painful. I think when you, you know, when you have that, this just, I can't stop drive and you, you, Mm -hmm. nothing, you, you won't fail. You're going to maybe try some different ideas, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you can't stop. So for me, it, I don't know that it was painful that it, that it didn't work out. I learned a lot, Mm -hmm. um, got to experience why, uh, video (laughs) processing and transcoding is very difficult. Uh, and a lot of video comp actually at that, that same time, a Mm -hmm. lot of companies were trying to build this, um, and having a lot of, um, uh, technical challenges with video, Mm -hmm. with video processing. Uh, I don't know if you remember the, the Periscope, Meerkat, some of the, those. So anyways, just some of the, the examples where one company, the tech worked really well and the other company was trying to compete, but Mm -hmm. the tech was not able to, to handle it. So very, very complicated. Mm. And what's next for you, Chris? Yeah. So, well, for me, I mean, yeah. So after, after that, um, I then, um, so after the video sharing, Mm -hmm. then I got into blockchain Mm -hmm. and got into a bunch of, uh, stuff related to that. Cause at the time it was 2017 and, Mm -hmm. and crypto, you know, yeah, it's a, (laughs) it's a good, good market. Um, and what you were, what did you join as a co-founder CTO? How do you join those businesses? Yeah. So at the time I was being a fractional CTO, Mm -hmm. helping a couple of different companies. Um, you know, I wanted to take a little bit of a break after working on the video, the video app, um, and just kind of help other companies, Mm -hmm. you know, since I had that, that skill set. And, um, and then I ended up meeting a, a really interesting company while I was backpacking through Prague at the time. What? And, uh, Wait, yeah. that did not come up? What, <laughs> yeah. what happened? That's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. So that, that was, um, yeah. So Prague, if you, if you haven't been, it's, no. it's incredible. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Prague is just this beautiful place. Um, just amazing culture and so much to do. And, and actually I'm, going back there uh, from July through September this year. What? And just we're, yeah, co-working from from Prague. Wow, that's Incredible. amazing. Well, what is the time difference? Is it very easy? S- seven hours. Oh, that's not horrible. Just a Hawaii almost. Yep. Wow. You have to tell me all about it later. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, so met, um, so while I was there uh, backpacking, ended up meeting, I, I heard, uh, I was at a coffee shop. Yeah. And this American was um, talking about uh, some startup that he had. And, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know anybody. And of course, I'm, so I'm like, okay, what are you doing? You know, yeah. uh, I'm also working on a, on a startup. And so then got to hear what he was doing. And he was uh, in the Sims business school. And he had just finished six years working in the Peace Corps, mm. and he now was was getting his his um, uh, master's in business um, with the Sims School, and just really interesting guy. And he ended up dropping out of the business school to pursue entrepreneurial um, his entrepreneurial venture. Wow! Yeah, and he started this company that was focused on how to get more community engagement Mm -hmm. in getting product feedback um you know getting uh kind of getting maybe community engagement for product market fit Mm -hmm. assistance and then engaging in a in a profit share model to help the startups you Mm -hmm. know through that 
And so when I met when I I met him, and then you know in 2017 was there backpacking and and reconnected with him. Actually, this was this is when I reconnected with him mm-hmm. for a second time, and he was just launching the cryptocurrency mm-hmm. to empower the community. And so I ended up. Um, he asked, you know, hey, can you? We don't know how to launch that. Can you do it? And I said, well, let's see if let's see what happens. And so then ten, I, I learned it, built it, and then ten days later we launched their cryptocurrency that um, they ended up doing this ICO is what it was called back yeah. in that time. So did the initial coin offering and um, got to then experience the whole new, you know, the crypto space. And uh, I can tell you, you know, a lot of interesting stuff about that <laughs> that topic. Yeah. So. Wow, you got- are a multifaceted. You are jumping from one to another and Wow, you are definitely open to learn all the new subject and new industry. That's amazing. Yeah. Are you I, loving it? I love it. Yeah. No, it's it's just it's for me, it's the it's the driver. Um, I'm not as you know, it's not what drives me is I like to to really just understand these these mm-hmm. these industries and really um, you know, understand why these new um, markets exist and new technology comes into existence and um, what motivates um, decisions and, and and communities and and why people do what they do I just I've always been fascinated by that so what did you learn share with us uh yeah so I've got there's an article I'm thinking about uh, releasing where I talk about the seven types of people in crypto Ooh. and uh yeah I might have to save that one but uh yeah, it's. I'm thinking about writing that just to talk about yeah. some of the different personality types because I got to see, you know, being in that, and then I ended up spending 2018 also pretty heavily involved with the community mm-hmm. and still am, mm-hmm. and um, just seeing kind of more evolution and, you know, why are people getting into it? What, what? Why is it potentially transformative and disruptive in industries and, mm-hmm. but also simultaneously seeing a lot of um, other not mm-hmm. so you know good things, but fraud sometimes but yeah, yeah so in your opinion what what drives people and secondly what drives the business succeed yeah well i think that crypto you know there's there's uh you know i can i'll just yeah, mention maybe a couple of these types but uh some of them are uh you know there's a lot of people who are very fascinated with exploring alternative governance models right so it's it's a lot of what cryptocurrency and blockchain show is sort of a testing ground for what if we introduce this this type of governance, right? Mm. So, you know, proof of work, proof of stake, proof of, you know, all these concept. different, yeah, all these different types of, of saying, how can we democratize and decentralize the governance around some something? And what cryptocurrency or just blockchain in general really um, does at, at the end of the day is it disintermediates and adds a, a layer of of efficiency into the market where there doesn't have to be this intermediary that handles the the maintenance, right? So if if your you know bank account you know is just being managed by this this blockchain it just exists Mm -hmm. and you you know there's no bank necessarily that's that's the one managing it then it introduces some efficiencies into the market around 
transferring and fees and a lot of things that that it has a lot of potential there. Mm-hmm. And then you go into the enterprise side of it and see how in supply chain, you know, there's also um, a lot of focus there where now all of these different different uh, organizations within the supply chain mm-hmm. can share uh, that data, that data and information into this shared blockchain to introduce an efficiency there, where it's not a third party that is doing it. It's, it's now publicly available. So you lots of passion about it. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it's just a very fascinating area, um, you know, and it's also just predicated upon a lot of um, pretty amazing advancements in cryptography and in computer science and math and just mm. it's really it's really an amazing kind of elegant system of how mm. you know what what went into designing a lot of it because mm. it's very complicated to think of how to move from you know we don't need a trusted uh, this trusted third party to design a system that can actually handle all the scenarios of where things can go wrong is mm-hmm. is a very challenging but fun thought experiment and that's what a lot of it is we can't wait for the article to come out yeah with that chris tell us a little more about logitree what brought you uh, to there yeah so so i was back in so this is 2018 and i was um just you know look really interested in the crypto space but what i've been looking for is something to kind of really put my name behind saying this is what that I want and and really am passionate about. Mm -hmm. And so in August of 2018, I ended up getting into an argument with a friend of mine who's a mathematician. And he, uh, funnily enough, he said that something I said violated the principles of formal logic. And I'm like, you know, what what is that, right? And so he explained to me that formal logic is the kind of formal mathematical proof of how we look at a sentence and if it's correct or not. And so I we were up up at night arguing about something so uh, ridiculous that no one should be arguing about the definition of formal logic. But I woke up the next day and I took um, a course from Oxford that um, someone, Marion Talbot, teaches this course about formal logic and about what it what it is and it's really the it's deductive inductive and abductive reasoning and it's it's how we know what is true in the world right so you know deductively that is things that are always true inductively things that are just probabilistically true right 99.9 percent of the time you know when the sky is blue it's not raining so Today, this you know the sky is blue. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it's probably not raining, right? And then there's abductive, which is this is science's best guess. Mm-hmm. This is what most experts in the field believe to be true. And so, it was started, you know, in that time that I just started thinking, man, there's just something I've always cared about: learning, education, and how people think and how people make decisions you know, how they decide to do the things that they do, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why I was so passionate about, you know, every time I learned something new, it was to see why are people in crypto? Why do people believe in it? Why do they build businesses around it? What motivates them? What what's what led to that decision? Mm-hmm. And um, so that's, 
uh, so, so then formal logic, I started really um, kind of diving into that and thinking about it. And then um, one other kind of random thing happened or probably not random, but in January of 2019, I had coffee with two friends that were from out of town and they, we were talking about, you know, what they were doing and what, what I was doing. And they, they had known that I've bounced around from a bunch of different things and, you know, that that's not really what they've done. So they were asking, you know, what is it that motivates you? And, um, you know, I explained to them, I'm still kind of looking you're trying to figure exactly out what's that thing, right? And they um, they said to me, "Well, you know, you have to go to your why. Like, why? Like, what is it? What is important to you? Like, what what at the end of the day do you value?" And so I actually left that that uh, coffee. The very next day, I re- I got down as I said, "Okay, I'm going to sit in front of my computer. I'm going to make a list. What am I passionate about?" And the second word that I wrote was logic. And the first word? The first word was game theory. Oh, wow. So I wrote game theory, logic, chess was in there, software development, uh, education, learning, continuous learning. Um, it's amazing. And then uh, and the last one was um, uh, always uh, stay questioning or, you mm. know, always kind of that Curious. curiosity. And so, you know, I just kind of wrote that list, didn't think anything of it kind of left it, you know, to, to see, okay, what is that going to mean? One week later, I was then on Slack and the person that I was working with was asking me questions. And I knew that I was being asked all these questions because, um, he was trying to make a decision. And I felt that, man, all these questions being asked and what is it what does it amount to right what's the decision that's being made and how is this how is all this information leading to that decision mm-hmm. and we have no traceability for that and so i that's when i had just this aha moment and woke up the next day and then that's kind of what led to you know everything started from there wow so tell us that how does logitree helping us to make the right decision for folks who are maybe not as familiar with the company. Yeah. So, yeah. So like most, um, you know, like most companies, things start off a bit nebulous, right? You're mm-hmm. like, okay, what is this? But, you know, so so then through a series of kind of pivots and little pivots about, you know, what, what it is exactly that, um, you know, we're trying to do and how to affect better decisions. Because that's mm-hmm. ultimately... It was about how do we share the logic and how do we capture the what criteria is used in decision making and how people make decisions. Mm-hmm. What separates one person that has certain expertise? How how is their decision different from from another's? Right, mm-hmm. and so through a series of of things and micro pivots, ended up in. April of 2019 ended up reaching back out to National Instruments, my former employer, and said, hey, I think that if we could capture this information for customer support, Mm -hmm. so how do we capture, you know, because I remember when I first worked for National Instruments out of college, 
that I was in customer support before product manager. And the hardest thing was when I got on the phone with a customer, what question do I even ask? I didn't know where to start. And if I and if I finally asked a question that was valuable, then it was like, okay, well, what's next? What question do I now ask? And so, and the problem was without knowing what questions to ask, I was trying to, you know, search and find information based on a lack of information. It was just unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. And so every, I feel like almost, you know, for the first three months, 90% of my phone calls were just me writing down whatever they say, Mm -hmm. going to the expert and saying, what do I do now? And then they would say, you need to ask this, this, and this. And then here are some resources you should reference. And then based on that, you know, this is what you might do. And it's just that that ability to ask the right questions mm-hmm. is what separates, you know, the expert from, you know, a, a lot of um, the just the new hires and mm-hmm. and people that are not not in the, not the expert. Wow. What, what a journey. Your circle back and like a full circle in your journey. And that's amazing, Chris. It's a long journey home. Yeah, it felt it really. It was a great journey too, because from like from getting back home. Because I also have had such, um, you know, I've I've just loved what Doctor T and this organization and mm-hmm. what NI has done. And so for me, a lot of the it felt great to kind of get back into the NI family. And yeah. even though now it was very different because I was starting the SaaS company you know, for this capturing decision-making mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and then, but now getting to work from a product standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, of my, of, of, you know, of my own that now I could work with national instruments and mm-hmm. it was cool to work back, yeah. you know, with them. And so, um, yeah, so basically we, we ended up, um, applying it to sales enablement. I'll just mm-hmm. mention that. So we started building sales enablement tools to help their internal, uh, sales organization know what questions to ask during the customer discovery so that ultimately they can recommend the right product mm-hmm. to the customer. I like a it's decision a very, tree. It, that's exactly. So it's a decision tree, but a decision tree like you've never seen before. It's one that can handle um, complex very, decision. very high complexity. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only that, but a lot of systems thinking. So mm-hmm. how do you incorporate... Um, you know, systems thinking mm-hmm. into a decision tree where you can consider all these different subsystems at work yeah. that go into the decision-making process. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, you know, what what we were building with them that how do we do that with the, in the sales process, right? To help mm-hmm. the sales force, you know, sell these very complex um, sales process. I'm gonna just mention, Chris, I love geeks. Yeah. I love people who are so passionate about their craft. And yeah. I just feel like you are someone who had that. Like, not only you are incredibly intelligent and smart and talented, but you truly have this mentality to solving the problem in the fundamental level. And I can see you kind of combine the knowledge and insight and along with that heart to solving the problem and create such a complex and beautiful solution. So, wow, thank you so much. So with that, Chris, I'm curious, uh, you mentioned this a little bit earlier in a conversation about your why. So what's your why today? So, yeah, so the why for me, 
and, and you know, logic logic tree is spelled like logic try, um, which we we always joke saying that you know try logic right from that. Uh, oh. um, so it's got a good you know it can work there, but it was based on chemistry and trying to be a bit of bringing you know my why is you know um, the the intersection between technology and education mm. and so for me what logic tree is doing is bringing interactive learning content into mm. um into the you know enterprise all the way even into right now we're exploring things in in k through 12 wow. and so we're exploring things across the map mm-hmm. in how to apply this kind of logic infused education material mm-hmm. into the world and and to do that and, and what I'm the reason for me it's the why is because I just love to break down complex topics to where someone can understand it mm-hmm. it's just I've just always had this just love of that that when I see <laughs> that you know someone doesn't understand something and I'm like let me see if I can explain it and then this they have this moment it's like I love that moment and so it's just um, you know, this is, this is why, you know, for me, it's this alignment through the education side mm-hmm. of it. That's just this, this is it. I love that. I said it's looking at the twin, twinkle in people's eyes. When you see him, senior had that magical, oh my God, I got it. That light bulb moment. I imagine that's where you find the joy. Yeah. Chris, one day when we all be gone, what do you want your gravestone to say about you? Um, well, I, I will say that, um, so I'll just mention real quick, briefly what we're getting ready to launch and that might give some context. So what we have not launched yet and you won't find publicly, but we're getting ready to go live with that is we're launching what we call the Wikipedia of actionable knowledge. And so at the, at the end of the day, what I would like to be, if I, if there's something that I could be known for in the gravestone, it would be that I impacted providing better democratized access to expertise and expert thinking mm-hmm. into the world that unlocked better economic opportunities for mm-hmm. everyone. And so if that, that for me would be the definition of success would be the, the, the educational access and mm-hmm. opportunity that that could have. I have so much goosebumps when you say that. <laughs> and, you know, in some way, Chris, I feel like you are following exactly what your, your mom's footsteps. Yep. She is empowering and teaching those uh, younger generation. You taking exactly that philosophy and empowering company, businesses, made the right choices. And wow. And you talk about success. You know, I'm curious. Um, you, you give us a definition of what success looks like. Do you think are you success today? Uh, yeah, that's a well, that's a interesting question. It's it's funny you because um, people measure success, you know, differently. And uh, how do you measure it? Yeah, yeah. That's been a that's I, yeah. I will say for me, I think before. I, you know, th- that conversation where I was asked, you know, what is, what is, what is it you're passionate about? What's your why? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that was a little bit of a transformative moment for me that moving away from, 
some of the ways that maybe I defined it in the past. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, I think now the way I would define define it is, uh, you know, for, at least for myself, you know, again, it's the, just the the people that we can help from the educational side. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's, um, you know, I think for what we're doing, just the, the more impact that we can have, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the world, the better on that. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we're successful. I, I think that, you know, like any entrepreneur, you, you, um, you just have very aggressive, you know, goals. And so you're still, you're still, you're successful, but you're also, mm-hmm. let's get to that next, that next goal. What is your biggest fear? If they are. Mm. Well, I think my my biggest fear, um, I guess, yeah, I'll, I'll admit, has been a little bit of the the fear of failure has been something for me. Mm. Um, has been a biggest fear, um, feeling like that if I, um, you know, th- I have this passion around building something that that does deliver this impact you know and i really i think maybe have battled a lot with having this fear that mm-hmm. maybe at the end of the, you know i'll put in all this work because i've never i've always just been comfortable working a lot and putting in passion but mm-hmm. having a fear that it won't translate to the impact that i really hope that it will for the world mm-hmm. i think that's that's um often been my biggest fear And I want to say, Chris, first of all, you know, it takes a lot of courage to truly share. So thank you. Secondly, I definitely think you are not alone. Many of us have that similar mentality, feeling that whether the failure or we are not good enough or the thing that we are building are essentially not have that market value that we had in our mind. So with that, Chris, how would you recommend mitigate that? Mitigate this? Oh, yeah, to mitigate um, that risk of... Uh, well, I think the, I think there's a number of things. Um, I think the first is you do have to find the, you do have to find the why of what you're really passionate about Mm -hmm. because then failure is almost, you almost don't even it almost seems to fade away the feeling of failure because you're so focused on doing something that you feel that this is what you have oh, been wanting to do for so long. And that really helps that you're not so focused on just this, you know, transactional, you know, numbers-based outcome or something that's just, mm. you know, if you're just focused on that and you're not really focused on, you know, this is what you get to do every single day mm-hmm. and you love it and you can't wait you know, for this, and you can't, you, f- you feel like you can't fail, right? So I think that's one way that that you mitigate it is just to focus on what your why is, mm-hmm. what your values are. Focus on things that aren't your values and, and that's how you most likely lead to the failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can speak from that, from that personal experience that yeah. I think a lot of the video, when I was working on video sharing apps, I think a lot of those were actually me not working on really a why. I was interested in the technology mm-hmm. but i think that's it wasn't you know what i wanted from mm-hmm. a from a, a value standpoint um and then 
yeah, I think just beyond that, it's um, education and mm -hmm. people and just growing, you know, more support you can have from the people aspect, I think is mm -hmm. the biggest thing. And am I hearing correctly, Chris? Are you saying that it has to be alignment with what you do and the why, and that's how you yield to success with your own experience, whether it's at the time that video endeavor, which is a phenomenal success. If you think about technology, think about application, but was it because it's not the perfect alignment? Therefore, yes. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, it's just you, you didn't, you know, you've got to have that that alignment of the why, you know, wh why why now, why you, yeah. why not anyone else? It's 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 a you have to feel that way. Um, when I was working on the previous stuff, I didn't feel like why me or why any, you know, but for this, I feel like this is, this at least for me is something that I feel 100% that this is something I've just been deeply passionate about mm. from education my entire life. And so, I don't know, I feel like this is, this is when I feel much more confident that yeah. no matter what, this is, this is an, in alignment. And I think that's a, luckiest feeling in the whole world. I think everybody can have a job, have a paycheck, have a company to go to, but how many of them can say, you know what, this is exactly what I meant to do on this planet. This is exactly how I share my gift with the world. And I think everybody, whatever you do, whether it's your entrepreneurship journey, your businesses, your family, whatever thing that really are deeply passionate for you, it's all about we sharing our gift. And I'm so happy to see Chris. I feel like you come yeah. all the full circle and now you truly find something that truly resonates with your talent, your passion. With that, you know, Chris, I do want to ask, you know, one last question is, you know, you were on this, you know, startup journey for a while now, whether it's your own venture or partner with others. What do you see is um, fundamentally made, or we observe are important for startup success? Um, I think... Well, as far as what's important for startup success, you know, I think I do, like I said, I think the why is is mm -hmm. is an important thing because it not only aligns you and, and yourself, but it aligns others in support of what you're doing. Um, you know, even just working, f you know, for a company, mm -hmm. you know, working for a company that you align with the why mm -hmm. is, you know, at, that, that makes it all the better, right? It's like, I love that. Yeah, versus, you know, because it's, you know, entrepreneurial isn't isn't for everyone, and it's also not as easy or as glamorous as it sounds like it is. Yeah, you know, it's it can be great to work for a great company that you mm -hmm. share a why with what they're doing. Um, I but that. Um, I think that you know, from from that, I would say that the 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 mm. biggest things on startup success. Uh, what we'll do one one plug is that you know we're going to be launching that on Logic Tree is a lot of these startup um, basically. It's a how you help me decide for the world across different topics. So help me decide um, what type of startup. Help me decide should I take on funding. Help me decide. Uh, wow. You know, so we're building this. Help me decide content for all the questions that startups kind of have. And these this content series is something that is going to help. You know, just to to kind of help startups navigate some of those. So I'll, I'll say that one plug. But That's amazing. We would thanks. love to be part of that. You know, so. whenever it's launched, please send us over. We'll put it in the description so folks can check it out. That sounds phenomenal. That's awesome. Thank you. What is the biggest mistake you see founder make? Um. Well, I... If they are. Yeah. Well, I, I can say that um, 
there's uh, a number of things that are challenging as founders. I'll, I'll say one, uh, you know, one of them that that is an example of what I hope, um, you know, to, to help with is even just startups figuring out what type of an entity to form. Okay. An, an Inc. versus an LLC. You know, something so it's like a, you know, picking between those can can be a, a, a source of, um, you know, it can it can be a, a problem for founders to figure out which mm-hmm. one, which type, right? And so, um, you know, that's maybe an example of something I hope to to solve. You know, is helping in those those areas of of these little questions that if we can make it easier to overcome them, mm-hmm. that that helps. Um, but um, that's amazing. Yeah, I think maybe the uh, the biggest the biggest um, yeah, I guess if I was gonna say one thing that founders make a can make a mistake on is that they might get too wrapped up though in the passion around you know what they're building that they forget to seek that market validation and talk to customers, right? And, you know, sometimes they'll just get too wrapped up in, mm-hmm. this is what I'm building and they're not validating it, mm-hmm. right? And they're mm-hmm. not checking to make sure that this is what the market needs or mm-hmm. that, you know, or just even that they're building it in the right way. Yeah, that's a great perspective because oftentimes we are so love drink our own Kool-Aid, this is why I built, and once it's built, well, guess what? Customer gonna magically show up, buy all the product, and boom, we're gonna be Facebook like tomorrow. Yep. And I love that you pointed out because oftentimes we, are, of course, in the love of our craft, but that, pro- that product market fit, that validation from the market truly are essential. Yep. So with that, Chris, truly, thank you so much for come on board, share your story with us. Wow, what an impactful journey. And truly, thank you so much for being so open, so honest, so authentic. And also, thank you, everybody who is listening today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I do. And I cannot wait to see you all next time. Bye, guys. 